tangent at this moment but I've been uh, I feel like memes or whatnot have been coming across my Instagram feed lately about how words can have such different meanings or how you you know inflections on things can mean opposite that doesn't all have to make sense except for the fact that I find it very interesting when you say good evening it's like a greeting when you Mm -hmm. say good night it's a goodbye great I think that's, not, I don't know why this morning, that's what I think about in the morning as I'm watching the sunrise and drinking my coffee. Uh-huh. But I was like, huh, that's interesting. When you say good night, it's like goodbye. Yeah. The yeah. end. But good evening is more of a welcome. Hello. We're not going to hang out. That's, I don't know if good day I, is, I mean, I think that's a greeting a gre- or that's a greeting. have a good day. Well, it could be it both. Could be. And good day, sir. Yeah. yeah. This could be a goodbye, you know? It's <laughs> all this about a goodbye or a beginning. I These don't know. These memes aren't following me around Instagram, but do you know it's following me on Instagram right now? I don't know why. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. Instagram has decided that I would like to see bears and like bear cubs oh. and like bears doing things. Like it is what, what did you suggested. Google I have, or no. click on zero. or zero what things. made that happen? Zero things. Um, but I have now seen a black bear swimming in the Gulf of Mexico and it, a, a, <laughs> Like went on to the beach in Florida somewhere and ran across the beach. How it got? I have told myself a whole story about this bear that it like <laughs> escaped a boat and <laughs> went for a run. And then there's I've a seen, movie in here. Um, a bear, a mom with cubs playing on a putt putt course, and one, like they just now I now I've stopped on them. So now it so does now they're think I'm really wanting to send you so, yes, bears. I'm seeing a lot of things about bears. I watched Cocaine Bear like a month and a half ago, but like, I mean, I, I don't think, think that that would just like start sending you bears, but I don't know. The internet's a weird thing. And I mean, I don't think I searched Cocaine Bear. I did watch it on Peacock. If you search Cocaine Bear, I wonder what else would come up. Things. Could go either direction. Things. So anyway, that's what's following me around on Instagram. I always find it interesting what follows you around Same. that you didn't really look at. Same. I don't know how to segue that into this. No, not at all. Topic, that's a but... good morning. Good day. Good yes. night. Um, but today's topic is on music, TV soundtracks. So maybe there's something in there about the music being played. No, there's not. I can't do it. Today's panel is, as heard on, TV soundtracks go local. And if you don't know, we try to do music panels every year. And they are always well regarded, highly talked about. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, Maggie Phillips, who is on this panel, is often on them because we she's local, like this panel. And dear friend of the festival, dear friend of the festival. And I was trying to remember, I might get it wrong and I should have looked it up. I know what she first came for. I don't know when she first came for it, but it was early. I'm going to say like season four. I was going to say three, but the reason I say four is I actually remember this is, I'm such a spatial memory person. I remember sitting in our office in South Congress in our office downstairs okay, at okay. my desk talking to her on the phone about the Fargo soundtrack coming out on vinyl mm. and Noah Hawley had put us in touch with her and she was helping us put together this panel. And I feel like that. Oh, five. Jen has fact checked us. <laughs> we are five. both totally Which I wrong. I was about to say it has to be later because we didn't really move into that office until like right before four and mm. we didn't move downstairs till later. I was also thinking, I mean, 
as most people know, season four was a very big year for us. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, did we do it on season four or something? Yeah. Well, but the then other there things- are other things that happened that year that I'm like, oh my God, those were the same years. I know. It's like, a little mind-blowing. Meghan Markle came that same year. I forget that. She wasn't a princess. No. <laughs> She's not a princess now. Um, not going down that tangent. But anyway, Maggie came for a Fargo panel that we did about the soundtrack. And then we did live music mm-hmm. like with part of the soundtrack. She's been a part of many other ones, but this one came out of, we have basically been working with Maggie for trying to figure out how to spotlight local artists a bit more and just undiscovered artists and people who maybe aren't getting the same attention that they should and trying to break people and what can we do to be a part of that? Cause she is so good at her job and is a part of so many awesome TV soundtracks like the dropout. I just get excited. Her name appears on the credits and I just get really excited. Um, And she works with, this connects it to the panel, Tom Vale, who we've also known for years. Met him through Maggie, question mark? I think we met him through my friend Frank, which is uninteresting information. Okay. Well, they now work together and I believe found each other on their own or maybe did we introduce them? We may have introduced them. That we should fact check and find out. Things we don't know. But basically, he is so good at his relationships with artists Mm -hmm. and has helped us book a number of musicians at the festival when we do do music, which we don't do that often. But this year, he had a shining star moment for us, which was that he helped book the music for both Cheers with Robert Ellis and The Righteous Gemstones with Jane Leo, who were both spectacular in very different ways. Yes. Perfectly matched for both evenings. Um, but he now mainly primarily works on Walker, which Maggie kind of helped him get. All of that is to say that as locals with Jason Harkins, who we can talk about too, but is on this panel, they are really good at, they know how important it is for artists to get on an episode and Mm -hmm. what, how life-changing that can be. And there is a very concerted effort to reach into new artist land and diversify the types of artists that are being put on television and doing it locally because they all have ties to Austin. Yeah. Which I didn't realize knowing that Walker shoots here. I didn't realize that them doing this job, that part of going into it was they wanted Mm -hmm. specifically to have local artists and that that was something they talked to Anna Fricky and the team about that everyone agreed to and the number of artists that they've been able to do it for is really cool. It's very cool. Um, And I think they talk about this a little bit, but we are working with Maggie and now we've told her because there's a lot of panels that we've done actually on what the job of a music supervisor is. Um, Oftentimes they don't really work with the artists that closely Tom does. Like Mm -hmm. Tom has a lot of relationships with artists, but uh, Maggie had this idea to do, music showcases in Austin to bring attention to these artists to both bring the community together, but then build playlists and hopefully get attention. Cause obviously the main goal there is to have people not in Austin know who these people are, these bands are and and all of that music. So we are working with her to start hosting. I'm going to say in the beginning it's quarterly, but we're going to start with just one <laughs> uh, music showcase. Uh, we're doing it here in Austin on July 29th. 28th. Nope. 29th. You know, 
It's not we the 27th. We should check ourselves. I believe it's the 28th. I think you're correct. It's the 28th. Oh, yeah. You win. Uh, July 28th at Still Austin Distillery. Um, we'll be talking about it soon on social and newsletter and things like that. But having a few artists showcase there and then we'll build a playlist out of that and be able to share that. So even if you aren't in Austin, you can see those artists and then build on it over time. And we have a lot of, I think, very achievable high hopes <laughs> for, I think so too. for what it can be. Well, especially knowing that Maggie's putting this together and working with Tom together. I think they're doing mm-hmm. it together to yeah. put these together that they are focused on bands that they really believe in mm-hmm. and want to play. So it feels like with as good as they are at their jobs and as well regarded as Maggie is and how many shows she works on that you would hope people that can make those decisions and have that power would pay attention. Yeah. It's really, it's interesting how this, cause I will say this is also a pivot from a writer strike situation, which was, we were going to actually do a panel on the music of Walker and it was going to be Anna Fricky and Tom Vale. Anna couldn't come and couldn't promote Walker. So we transitioned to having it be more about local. So yeah, just, you know, more spinning and twirling. But I always think it's just really interesting and super interesting when they have established relationships, which Jason and Tom do as well. Because we met Jason like seven or eight years ago in a Starbucks in Austin. Um, He did music for The Good Wife and The Good Fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which we were like starstruck about. Obsessed. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, so I think it's really cool to have reconnected with him too. And he's interesting because he does music supervising, but is also a post-production producer. Yeah. So he even has a different role and what he brings to the table, which is also interesting to hear about and how that plays into all the different levels. Totally. As we end on it though, I feel like I saw, we're going to, I can loop this back to Instagram. Oh, is that I saw on Instagram that you went and saw Jane Leo last night. I (laughs) did. I wanted to give a plug both to Robert Ellis and Jane Leo since they did all perform live at the festival. I am obsessed with Jane Leo. They are new to my ether since performing at the Righteous Gemstones. They're so great. They played at the Long Center. It was awesome. Like on On the the lawn. lawn. On the lawn. Yeah. It was awesome. It was a free show. It was an incredible crowd. They are going on tour this fall, I believe mm-hmm. August through October. So people Hope should stubs here check in them out. In September. Yep. You should definitely check them out. Go see them. I know Robert's got a few shows coming up. He, I don't know if he's going on tour or not. Or just He has a very shows. interesting tour because he is also a producer. So like I'm actually interested. Last time I saw him, he was opening for Jamestown Revival on their new album, which he produced. And then... Robert Ellis, we as a group went to go see on July 15th at the Scoot Inn. He opened for Ben Queller. He's just finished a number of dates in Texas. I think there's one more in Pennsylvania and then he's going abroad, but he's just spectacular. I'm sure more will add on. Someone should request him to play the Cheers theme song and the next time they see him because he can play it. He's excellent at it. Yeah. (laughs) Also, I wonder if you requested Miss Behaven for Jane Leo if they would be able to play that would be pretty great it would be awesome to see it is a really hard song (laughs) but i do love that there's a video footage of john goodman singing along to it in the audience and with that here is as heard on tv soundtracks go local moderated by ben travers of indiewire I'm Ben. Uh, I'm gonna. Here we go. 
hello. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, sorry for the late start, but uh, we're very excited. Uh, the panelists are very excited. They have a plan, even. I am very excited that they have a plan, because as a moderator, it means I don't have to talk as much. Uh, so let's bring them out. Uh, first and foremost, we've got Maggie Phillips. Uh, next up, we got Tom Vale. Uh, and last but certainly not least, Jason Harkins. Uh, all right, everybody, thank you for being here. Uh, we're very excited to talk about all this stuff, but because uh, you guys have very specific jobs as well as jobs that maybe the layperson isn't super familiar with, we're just going to start by laying it all out there. So, Maggie, what is it that you do? How do you describe your job? I'm a music supervisor. So it just means I am in charge of a soundtrack of a TV show or a movie. So I am the curator of the songs and uh, songs that you see that you that are in TV shows and films, and uh, and that goes from creative all the way down to like licensing and paperwork and managing all everything that is involved. And um, I manage a small team. We do we don't work exclusively on projects. We work on a bunch of different projects throughout the year. How big is your team? Just two, two, two wonderful ladies that work for me. Um, one in Portland and one in uh, Texas now. So, very good. All right, uh, Tom, you're up. You're the guy. But can you elaborate on what that means? What, what do you do? Uh, so I do a little bit of what Maggie does, um, but primarily what I've been doing for the past 15 years is I have a company here in town called Frog Music Licensing. Um, and my job is basically to, I work with a whole bunch of artists, mostly local artists, uh, like 90% local artists, and I pitch their stuff to TV shows, to people like Maggie and to people like Jason um, for possible use in, in TV shows and films and, and commercials. Um, and I'm authorized to enter into licenses on their behalf uh, but I'm not a publisher, so there's a there's a distinction there where like I don't own or or control their material. Um, uh, but that's it. Uh, and, and yeah, like I said, I, I we're we're currently also working together on a show called Walker uh, that's set here and shoots here. Um, uh, so we're co music supervisors on that. But but most of what I do is is pitch stuff all over the place. Define local. What is local? Uh, mostly Austin, but also like some Texas, uh, like some stuff from, from elsewhere in Texas. Um, yeah. Oh, and, and, and kind of looking to it, like I, I would like to be eventually not just the Austin guy, but the Texas guy. Um, uh, cause I think there's, well, there's a lot out there. Um, so. Always plans to expand and, and still the guy. And that's what matters. Uh, all right, Jason, how about you? Uh, how do you describe your job? Uh, a little different from either one of these cats here with me. Um, so I, my background is post-production. So I am a producer in post-production, and I also music supervise on the side. So um, sometimes I'm music supervising solely on a project. Sometimes I am producing and music supervising. Sometimes I am producing and working with someone like Maggie or Tom uh, as my music supervisor for post-production. So um, my, I guess my scope is a little broader um, as far as the entire process is concerned. 
And the post producer, I told uh, Jason this on, we met a few days ago, makes or breaks a music supervisor's career because they're like the middleman between us who we're working remotely and like we're not in the thick of it. We're not exclusive. And the post producer is kind of our conduit to the entire production. So if you have a good post producer, your job is great. If you have a bad post producer, your job. Yeah. So as far as like, as far as like producing is concerned, like it's, it's the entire, it's once the, once it leaves the set, the, the, once, once the footage leaves the set, it's, it's my domain. So it's editorial, it's visual effects, it's music, it's composers, it's delivery, it's titling, it's color, it's all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, most of our job as music supervisors, I mean, we start in prep and we're on for prep and production, but the bulk of our work is done in post. So the post producer is the most important producer for us. <laughs> right. But I mean, there is some like really important things that happen during production, which is what? On cameras. Right. So anytime you see a band uh, performing a song or singing, if anytime you're seeing a, um, anyone singing, anyone dancing, and anything that's tied to the script or tied to the TV show or movie, that's something that is done in prep and then in production. So that's, yeah, it's a huge part of, that's the, honestly the most stressful part of my job. It is because it's yeah, like absolutely. so, it's so like, uh, like we have to get this done right now. And the productions, like, you know, they're like, <laughs> They don't think about it until the night before. No. Yeah, and I mean, there there's a million times where, as a producer, I get a script, and then I see that there is an on camera, and I'm like, why am I getting this information right now when it's going to camera in ten days? I know these writers have known about this for at least a month. Yep. So, um, and then their call, your next calls to me. <laughs> How can we clear the song? And I'm like. Yeah. I don't know if you can. And then, and then, you know, we take it from there and yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say we had, uh, an on-camera, uh, in Walker, like the first one of those that I had ever dealt with. And I remember reaching out to Maggie because she's a far more experienced music supervisor than I am. And she was like, on cameras are a nightmare. Like <laughs> you are in trouble basically. <laughs> um, you have, and everyone's different cause every production's different. So it's just like you roll with it. That's right. Like that's all you can do. Yeah. yeah. And I have worked with I have worked with showrunners who pick up the phone and they're like, "Hey, I'm thinking about putting this song in the script." Yeah. And, you know, it's episode 7 and we're on episode 3 right now. What do you think? And I'm like, "I think I love you." Yeah. Like, I think that like this is the way you're supposed to do your job. Like yeah. this is fantastic. Uh, so I wanted to talk about Walker a little bit because obviously that's something that that connects everybody and and obviously is connected to to Austin <clears throat> right here. Um, but just to to start off with, I guess when a show decides they want to use local music for whatever reason, like they want to have a focus that's that's pertinent to either the narrative or where they're shooting or both, um, does that conversation typically start with them or is that something that you originate? Like Maggie, when you're when, like with Walker, was that something that you tried to bring yeah. to them or was that something they brought to you? That was a very fortuitous opportunity um, because I had worked with Lindsay, one of the main producers, um, on my first TV show called On Freddie Roach. It was a narrative doc series. Yeah. And um, she was working with Sarah Aubrey, who was part of Friday Night Lights. There's a Texas connection there. And that was a long time ago. So she... We've always wanted to work together. She was like, in a, you know, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so she, so she called me and she's like, I have the perfect show for you. It's going to be shot in, in Texas. And, you know, you're Texas low. I, I wasn't living in Texas back then. Um, and uh, I was like, I can't, I don't 
have time to do it. I, you know, I was like, I was taken aback by the offer and, but, but it was the first time where I was like, I get to like, she's going to trust me to like bring in Texas artists and, 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 and Austin's my hometown. And I was like, Oh shit, man. Like this is an opportunity to like give back to Austin musicians. And I've never had that chance. So I pitched her. I was like, I really want to do it, but I want to do it. If we really give, Austin artists, they're due. Like we we keep it, and and I knew I had a unique opportunity because I had a producer that would listen to me and trusted me and was super collaborative. And um, she was like, "I love this idea. We will try to keep it as local as possible." Which you need a producer to back you in that because the studio and network, that's not their top priority. So if you have a producer that backs you, then they'll really support your vision. And then that's when Tom and I, I reached out to Tom making a long story short uh saying tom will you help me with this because i was still in la and like the two of us can like really uh, feature austin artists and that's how we started co-supervising walker yeah absolutely yeah and i and i think should be said to it it seemed in my experience it usually does not work that way and breaks down somewhere along that process where there have been other shows that have been set here and, and have shot here and where maybe there was the intention of using local music at the outset, but, uh, you know, that that's not the way it happens in the end. And usually people just sort of fall back into what are, I don't know, like safe choices, I safe guess. Safe and easy because yeah. TV moves quickly. Like I don't, you right. don't fault them. TV moves quickly and you yeah. have to, but exactly. you have to yeah, make an exactly. effort to Like do it's not, yeah, it's, it's not that... Those people aren't bad. <laughs> <laughs> but we hate them. Yeah. <laughs> and we will. No, but yeah. like... It, a little, little bit bad. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it uh, this one was was rare in that, like, basically what Maggie described, like the producers were on board and also Maggie already had the relationship with the producers, so she was able to sort of really push for it um, and, then, and then brought me in and I was able to sort of supply them with all the local music that they wanted to have and wanted to use. And, and that's the way the show has taken shape and they've continued to use local music. I mean, we have two or three or four local artists in pretty much every episode of Walker. That's um, super successful. Yeah. Like, that's like, that's, that's a home run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it has worked out better than I imagined it would at the beginning of the process. Um, yeah, I agree. And I, it shows it's because of when you work with producers that trust you and are collaborative and, and, don't try to control every aspect and let you do your thing. You get to do something really special. So, so Tom, I guess uh, let's walk it back just a little bit because I, I mean, for you, when it comes to actually, you know, fulfilling these requests, like obviously you've got, you know, you've got the experience, you've got a company here in Austin, like this is what you're, you know, professional and you're ready to do it. But what, what kind of are like the checklist in your head when they come to you and they say like, listen, this is the scene. And then you try to match kind of the tone of the scene. Do they give you feedback about like, you know, we want it to feel like this, or we want it to sound like this. And then how do you balance that with, you know, like the, the, the bands that you just like and the bands that you are eager to expose to the world? Like what, what's your process a little bit, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, there definitely is a little bit of a balancing act there. Uh, but for the most part, you, you really are trying, like I really am trying to match whatever it is they are looking for. I mean, you know, yes, sometimes I try to shoehorn in somebody <laughs> who, who I really like and who I really think should get some exposure. But I mean, you can't do that 
uh, you can't pitch stuff that doesn't fit what they're asking for because then they'll stop asking. Yep. Um, so I'm laughing because I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that I'm doing that sometimes, right? No, no you're okay. really good. And uh, it, but okay. if you start, yeah. But if yeah. you're pitching like five songs, like you know, you give them four of what you think they want, and then you put in exactly. that one. You're like, but this one's also really cool. Exactly. Right? Like you throw a little, like a curveball in there, just to see if you might get away with something. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, they usually, you know, they send a request, they describe the scene, they talk uh, budget, which is pretty important, um, and, and uh, sometimes they send reference tracks too, which like I love. Like they will say, like we're thinking along the lines of this, this, or this. Um, and then, you know, a deadline and a budget. And then it's basically just going through my catalog and trying to find something that sounds somewhat like what they're looking for and that I know that we can clear at their budget. Um, and that last part is, is pretty key to uh, the music supervisors don't want to go back and forth on this stuff. Um, they want to get something that they can clear. Because the next step is I send it to you guys, and if I pitch something that's not going to clear quickly, that's oh, yeah. that's that's when we have a big problem. Yeah, no, it's like you know the <clears throat> it's really important the business part of it, right? So like as a music supervisor, when I wear that hat, it's like don't don't give me a track that works. Give me a track that I know will clear and works. Yeah, like it has to be both, which is very important in this whole process. Yeah, I think that's, I think art, like a lot of artists who I talk to are thinking about the first part of that. Yeah. Like, my song is perfect for this show. My song is perfect for this scene. And that's definitely important. But the second part of that is also hugely important. Like, my song is easily cleared. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is like the one stop part of it, which is like, you know, as a, if you're in a band and you're involved with someone like Tom. When I go to Tom, I know that everything that I'm getting, I don't have to worry about. Like, I don't have to worry about the business side of it, which is like, it's 50-50, really. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, Yeah, but the creative. I, one stop isn't, it doesn't have to be one stop. It just has to be all figured out. Like, split's yes, figured out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you don't want you don't want murkiness as far as like, well, who controls the public? Like, what, who are the co-writers on this? And it does is this writer in an exclusive publishing deal? We're not sure. We're going to have to call it like all that's a nightmare. Yep. Um, you need to know. So, well, when I guess when you're starting off on a show like like when Walker first started, uh, is there a period where you're trying to feel out like exactly how much wiggle room you have to ha like to infuse like your taste into it like or are you are you just trying to figure out what the producers what the showrunners want like what they you know what the vibe is like how do you kind of balance that i guess well i think it starts a little earlier than that because okay. it's like there's like a gauntlet that you have to go through before you ever get to the showrunner okay they're the editors and the editors like they want to put in something that they think works yeah. And then the director may come in and say, well, I don't like that. I want to put this in. And then it gets to the showrunner. But that's it depends, because with Walker, that didn't happen. Yeah. So it, it just depends on yeah. the show. It's, yeah, it's, it's very different. Every, yeah. every show every is its own animal, for yeah. sure. Well, real quick, just before we, we get into that a little bit, when you're saying, like, editors put in music, are they putting in, like, just random temp yes. like stuff they like? They, Sometimes. Don't, they haven't talked to you guys at all. They're just Sometimes. putting in stuff that's like, oh, this is the scene. Like, I got it. Yeah. 
it's all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. but, but I do, I've pre preemptively at this point in my career, I send an email out at the beginning of the show when it's a new show and I'm like, look, no YouTube polls, please, con yeah. please consult me here for every, rules. like here are the rules because, yeah. and, and they still don't follow them because they, there's a, I mean, I get it. There's a sense of ownership. Like they're, they get to do their editor's cuts. Then there's a director's cut. Then there's a producer's cut. Then there's a studio cut. There's a network cut. I mean, these are all the cuts I have to watch every freaking time. But like, but the editor, it's like a sense of ownership. It's their time to like really do their work. And so I get it. Like they want to put their best foot forward, but it's better for the show at large to consult with me because you're not putting in something that we can't afford or you're not putting in something that like, you can't clear. You can't clear. You know, like just recently, like someone asked about ELO, you know, I was like, not gonna happen. it's not going to happen, <laughs> you know, and then they pushed back and I was like, you know what, it, it, it just, but it happens. That's a huge, that's a huge part of the job. And like you're, I, you know, I always feel like I'm a heartbreaker because I have to like be the reality check of like, you know, but it's a necessary part of the job. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you have, I mean, in addition to editors, uh, producers who will sometimes, you know, have their own musical taste. Network and, execs, you know. directors, kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It really yeah. does. It, it does get yeah. that way. It yeah. does sure. get that way. Yeah. 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 Like somebody's assistant who somebody's is assistant. In, in a band. Oh, I just happened. Yep. Yeah. On a, on a, with a, sometimes they're good. With a high, pro, <laughs> high profile showrunner, a music supervisor who's been doing this for 17 years, he looked at me. And he said, well, my assistant didn't recognize this band. And she's like 22 years old. And I was like, I had to black the screen out because I was like about to just like give him the finger. Like, <laughs> you know, like, because like, and I, it happened to me on another high profile show where um, the guy's son was like pitched. God, it was such a bad song. I can't even, <laughs> it was such a bad song. And I like had spent a week putting together a beautiful playlist for, for, for hand, I'll say it was for her handmaid's tale. And it was like this beautiful evocative, like, moving playlist and and don't respect and don't listen to the music supervisor who's been doing it forever let's listen to your son but that's what's you know <laughs> musical taste is it's subjective it's subjective it's relative you trust the people you trust you trust your own taste and and you just have to let go of as much as possible let go of your own ego when it comes to t musical taste yeah in you job. can't get yeah. precious about any of it no and you also have to like kind of understand a little bit about like what are we going for in this scene? Like the question is like, or do you want to play against the scene? Do you want to play with the scene? Do you want the lyrics to like resonate with what's going on? Or is that gilding the lily? And everyone has a different take on all of that. So, well, I did want to ask like in, in terms of forming that for yourselves. I mean, I, I as a TV critic, I spend all my time watching television. I'm watching television while I brush my teeth. I'm watching television while I do the dishes. Like I'm, I'm immersed in it because there's just so much of it. And like, obviously there's a ton of music. There's always like always music to listen to all these new bands, always bands producing new work. I, on your end, what is it like for you? Like when, when, what I call the, the, the downtime, like when you're not actively like on a job doing the job, but you are still thinking about the job and, and, you know, trying to form that taste and form those, like, create those options and get to know new bands and, and expose yourself to new music. What's that mean for you, like, on the daily? That's a really great question. question. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I mean, I'll, I will say I notice it when the content is bad <laughs> more. Like, if it's a great show and I'm immersed in the show, I'm, I really can divorce myself from from my job and just enjoy the show when it's a mediocre show or or film that i'm watching 
I start to think about, oh, it's weird they chose that one. It's weird they chose that one. Like, that must have been expensive. Like, I don't know why they spent money on that. Um, but yeah, when, it, when it's fantastic, you're just kind of, you're in the river with it. And you're not, like, I'm not thinking about it so much. Um, yeah, I think it's the same for me. It's like, it's like, it's the same. Well, I mean, I, it's, for me, I see, like, all the different pieces of post-production. So it's like color timing or visual effects or whatever it is. And, like, I just want to forget about all of it. And if I'm forgetting about all of it, then it's like fantastic because that means it's really well made, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I like downtime because, like, then I get, I get, from a music standpoint, I get to become a fan again. Yeah. And I'm not looking, actively looking for something for a scene. <coughs> I'm looking for something that I love and that moves me. And, like, right now, like, there's a big strike happening. I don't know if any of you guys know this. <laughs> So I'm listening to music because I love music, and I'm like getting back to like my high school years of like, what is it that I really like? Like, sent me down this road to begin with, you know, and just digging through music and digging through crates, and I love that. That's great. Does that like for for you guys? Do you still go to a lot of shows? Do you still like? Do you just search for stuff online? Like, how do you kind of expose yourself to the music side of it? We're old. Yeah. <laughs> I have tickets to a show right now. Okay. In October. It's in October. I have tickets. But right, plan ahead. Tickets to like once and a week or twice a week or three times a week. But no, it's in October, yeah. <laughs> I have tickets to a show in September. No, it's work to, when you go to a show at this point, it's work. It, I yeah. will, it's a very unfortunate part of the job that you, for me at least, I, it's very loaded. I'm very burnt out. I've been working very hard for 10 years. Like I have lost my relationship with music to a certain extent. I'm, there's writer strike is really stressful, but actually the one thing that I'm excited about, and I've told my team, like, I'm still paying you. We're doing research and development. Like we're going to make playlists. We're going to yeah. get excited about music again. We're going to go to shows. We're going to like rejuice gas, or I don't know what the expression is, but like, like rejuice, rejuice, <laughs> you know, get excited about music again because it does. It's like it's a it's a it's a heartbreaking part of the job. But music is a commodity. You're moving really quickly. It's just it's the reality of the job. I try so hard to care about every single thing I put in every single show, but sometimes you can't. Um, but I I I. <laughs> But I also don't like to go to shows anymore unless I sit down. But like, <laughs> yeah. right there, down we there. are old, aren't we? We are older. I used to go to like five shows a night. That's the reason I'm a music supervisor. I'm looking at someone right now I knew back in high school. Like we used to go out all the freaking time, and I love, I love that. I love that about Austin. And so maybe someday. So. Oh, and I'm starting. Sorry, we're, oh, we're, yeah. I'm starting um, a showcase with uh, ATX Festival. We're we're teaming up together to do. A show calls uh, my my company Deep Cut Music and ATX Festival. Uh, we're teaming up to do a showcase, a quarterly showcase that will be featuring local artists to try to give them a platform to introduce them to the sync world out in Hollywood. So it's my big sort of like coming back from LA, living there for two decades. I'm finally back at full time, and um, I want to just introduce younger bands to the opportunities of sync, introduce them to all my Hollywood contacts, producers, directors, showrunners, um, music supervisors, composers. So actually, there's a show July 28th at Still Austin Distillery, and you guys will get a invite if you're on the ATX Festival mailing list. And we're putting together some uh, Tom's. We yeah, can't announce the band yet. We can't. Okay. No. But it will we will be, have bands. We will have bands. <laughs> and the I would love to have as many people out there as possible because the showcase isn't, the, it's a small reach, the people who are coming live. 
but and the, the bigger reach is the newsletter and getting it out to LA. But it would be great to show the band support and like have them feel excited about this opportunity. So it's exciting. Yep. Yes. I love that. Yes. Thank you. Can I come? Yes, yes. you're invited. <laughs> Yeah. Are you going to sit down? <laughs> no, that's actually probably the next live show I'm going to. Uh, all right, you guys are, are beating me to it a little bit. I want to make sure we have a few minutes for audience questions. So if you've got them, start, start thinking of them. But the last thing I wanted to ask was, on your end, one, I don't know how much you can think about this, but what is the impact for those artists? Like, when they get onto a show like Walker, onto any of these shows like that have a sizable audience, what does that do for them? Like, what have you seen that kind of do for the for the band and the group and the people who who made the music? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's uh, there. There's a range of impact. It's usually, uh, you know, there's a, a a spike in Spotify traffic, uh, um, and, you know, and it all depends on sort of the prominence of the placement too. I mean, there there are definitely some placements that are like, hey, we got you a placement. You're not going to be able to hear it, but you're going to get a check later, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the episode, like believe me. Um, but but yeah, there are also some that are really featured in the episode, and they really get a lot of traction off of those. Um, and they also like, I mean, aside from sort of financial and like career boost and attention and everything, the really like one of the things that they almost always say to me is, "Oh, that's so cool! I got to tell my dad." that like I was in this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's usually like that kind of like they're excited to share it with because it's almost like they're telling their family like, look, I'm actually a legitimate <laughs> working artist. I'm doing this thing and it's in this show and they're really proud. So that's cool. Oh. And then there's like the other end of the spectrum is like the whole like Kate Bush phenomenon that was like literally like what just happened? <laughs> like I went to I went to my son's like um, the school that he's going to, he's going into the sixth grade, and the the band was performing "Running Up That Hill," and it was like, <laughs> "What is happening right now?" So yeah, it really does like run the spectrum yeah. of like what can happen, right? Yeah, yeah. I think if you placed on Stranger Things, people would definitely yeah. hear it. They would at yeah. least be aware of it. Um, all right, I want to get to the crowd. Does anybody have any questions before we wrap up with this fine group? Yeah, right there. What's your like? You you all spoke about the examples of like when you're in it and you forget about the job, like what are your favorite shows that you've experienced that with? Who's doing it great? Whether it's one you've done or something else, like when have you really felt like you're in it and loving it? Mm. Mm. I should I should be ready for that question, and I'm totally not. <laughs> my my favorite stuff is when it's all diegetic, when it's not flashy, you know. So I like Succession. Um, I mean, everyone does, but I like the way they use mu music, and I because you almost never hear a song, and when you do, it's very impactful. Um, so I like the really soft touch. Um, at the for me, my favorite thing I've worked on that no one saw is a show called Shining Girls on Apple, and we oh yay, thank you. Um, that was we used music only diegetically until the last uh, song, which was a studio request. But um, you know, I, I don't like I work on a lot of shows that use music um, in montage sequences, and but for me, I don't like to feel the filmmaker ever. Like I like to feel like in a very natural sort of. Um, I don't ever want to think about who's making it, because then I get in my head about all the fucking directors and producers and blah blah. blah. So yes, those are my favorite things. Yeah, I mean I. Uh, I was just telling Jason before I'm in the middle of watching Severance right now, and there's there's very little uh, needle drop, you know, almost zero needle drop placement in that show at all, and I'm 
completely lost in it. Uh, and I mean, maybe that has to do with, you know, some of the work. And so it's like nice to watch something where they're like, like, I'm definitely not thinking needle drops and not thinking budget. And I'm just, you know, enjoying it. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I should chat out their shows too. <laughs> they also do amazing work. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was the, like the last, I mean, I have to agree with you that severance is like this thing that like, I just absolutely loved. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV, believe it or not. Um, I'm watching the shows that I'm working on, and I watch a lot of reality TV. Like that's like I love like Chopped, Top Chef. I I watched. There's um, a great that Ultimatum show on um, on Netflix is really good. Like. I like trash t- because like <laughs> it's like it's like you know it's like eating chips after like I'm sure like a chef doesn't like cook a really nice meal for themselves every night so yeah I think and then you and also they don't have a budget so they don't put in music you recognize and I've been watching Cheers <laughs> there you go and that's not and I'm serious I had I literally my my wife is from Poland and she never saw it when it was out so I turned her on to it like I don't know a year and a half ago it'll take us like. A decade to get through the entire (laughs) thing, but we watch it every once in a while at night. Oh, I will plug if you guys haven't the other two or yes, yes, I that's what I was just talking about that last night. That show is so good. I don't even you know what that show is so good. I have no clue what music is in there because the writing is so good. Um, I love that show. It's so good. good. Um, Sorry. Marry me at recess. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I guess the music in there is Chase Dreams music. Um, Yeah. And yeah. (laughs) It's one of my favorite shows. Uh, If we have one more, I think we can fit it in. But if not, going on. Yeah, in the back. What's the biggest like hail mary you've ever pulled off in terms of like, uh, you know, a producer or somebody asking you for a song that you're like, there's no way you're gonna get it under budget, but you put out the request anyway just because they insist and it kind of came I like that question. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of those. Yeah. I mean, Um, television is full of hail. Television, yeah. Happens all the time. I can tell you, because uh, I have less experience than either of these two, so I can draw on like a very narrow scope. There's two that I can think of, one that was not a success at all, and, 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 and we didn't get it, and we got like so shot. It was Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. and, and they quoted us something insane, and th- that was over. <laughs> uh, but I mean, they, man, they really wanted it. They wanted it so bad, and I was like, yeah, uh, God's going to cut you down. Um, but uh, we did get um, Wilco, uh, True Love Will Find You in the End. That's uh, Daniel Johnson, yeah, though, right? Yeah, Wilco okay. covering the Daniel. But Daniel, Daniel Johnson's hard to clear. Yeah. 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 So that one yeah. was that one was the like the one that I would point to that was like, oh, we, we got it. It was awesome. Yeah. It worked. Everybody liked it. Everybody was happy. So, yeah. I, mean, I had a nail biter. Um, I was doing the, the pilot of Empire. Mm-hmm. And Timbaland did the a lot of the music for the show and Lee Daniels who directed the pilot brought in this song on a thumb drive like a day before (laughs) we were supposed to lock and he's like what do you think about this and it was like this banging I don't remember the name of the track but it was like this amazing track um it worked great for the scene and he's like let's let's use this and then I'm like well what where did you get this and he's like well it's a Timbaland track and I'm like okay great but he's like yeah but it's not like his none of his people know about it. <laughs> and it was like, wait, what? 
And so, you know, I pick up the phone and I call the music supervisor, Jen Ross, and I'm like, Jen, you need to sit down. I got this song and it's really great and Lee really wants to use it. And it, it literally came down to the third day of the sound mix. They had been on the phone with like the head of Interscope and like it was a big to do and it was like we still didn't quite have it cleared we thought maybe it was going to clear but his publishers didn't even know about the song um and it was one of those things to where it was like okay we'll we're, we're gonna mix two versions and we'll turn in two versions and there's this version with this song and there's this version with this song and so like yeah it can get really crazy and really hairy for sure but it did make it in it, did. it made it in it made it yes. in it made it into the it pilot it. And it, was, it was great yeah uh, well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for coming out and uh, do enjoy the rest of the fest. You have been listening to the TV Campfire podcast, hosted by ATX TV co founders Emily Gibson and Caitlin McFarland, and produced by Jennifer Morgan. This conversation was recorded live at ATX TV Festival Season 12 in Austin, Texas, between June 1st and 4th, 2023. For more information on the festival and becoming an ATX TV member, follow us at ATX Festival or visit ATXFestival.com. <laughs>